the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Go to the BatmanUniverse.net to listen to this and many other great Batman podcasts. I am Josh, and joining me this week is... I am Donovan. And I am Sum Stella. Sum Stella. I am Sum in, in Latin. <laughs> okay, there you go. I was going to say, what's the point? <laughs> there is a point. <laughs> we will get to it. And we are going to be discussing the mid-season finale of Gotham called Lovecraft. Episode and 10. Instead, and instead HP of an episode Lovecraft. of... HP, yeah. HR Puff and stuff. Can't get a little because he can't get enough. I there were so many tentacles in this episode. And so many monsters. Cthulhu. Yeah. I, I was really surprised when Bruce and Selena had that like underwater battle with Cthulhu. <laughs> but <laughs> thank God that Aquaman showed up. Although like the fans are raging online because they're like, Bruce isn't even Batman yet. How is Aquaman, Mara, and like Tempest and Aqualad like all in existence? It's this the same actress from Smallville too. <laughs> no, they got Justin Hartley to do it again because of that failed <laughs> pilot. Exactly. Uh, so in this episode, um, Harvey, because of some whispers that Harvey Dent has done, there are some assassins who may or may not be David Kane and Lady Shiva. Donovan and Stella say no, but they're not. I'm going to ignore them. Uh, are going after Bruce and Selena. So uh, they go through the streets of Gotham, no pun intended, evading their captors. While Carmine Falcone wants to know who's hitting his armory, even though Penguin told him, you know, between the scenes of the pilot and in Penguin's umbrella that, hey, Fish is trying to, like, you know, mess with you. He's like, who's doing this? Who's my traitor? Who's my mole? For some reason, and reasons all his own, Penguin does not give up Liza. So we'll see. So while the assassins are searching for Bruce and Selena, Alfred, Bullock, and Gordon are doing some searches of their own. And along the way, Alfred finds... Some love of his own with his little flirtation with Fish Mooney. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot more scandalous in, in this little recap than it actually was. We get two-thirds of the Gotham City sirens together in one place. You know, yes. we just need we just need some Harley Quinn. And eventually the action comes to a head. It turns out that Lovecraft, take that Harvey Dent, was not actually behind this. There's another big bad, but before we can find out who it is, Lovecraft has been killed by not David Kane and not Lady <laughs> Shiva. Well, I, I, I'm going to interrupt, interrupt you real quick and just say right now that like that whole thing really confused me. So I'm kind of on the two of you to uh, uh, help explain what was going on. <laughs> Good luck. Okay, <laughs> so Lovecraft has uh, been killed with Detective Gordon's own gun, which, you know, is a little problematic uh, at the end of the episode. But in any case, uh, the day is saved. You know, the Gotham children, you know, Bruce and Selina, um, are alive and intact and even get to share their first kiss. Finally. Mm-hmm. But Selena's, you know, decides to, you know, get out of here because she doesn't want to testify and, you know, there's killers and she doesn't want to endanger Bruce or anyone else. Supposedly. I don't know. I have my I have my thoughts about that. So she gets away. 
the mayor has kind of ticked at Gordon because and Dan's and uh, yells at them. And I think that he might be a little ticked at Gordon, too, because of the events of Penguin's Umbrella. Who knows? So Gordon is reassigned to Arkham Asylum. And that is the first half of season one of Gotham. What do we think? I was kind of hoping for a lot more of like like series development with this episode, like uh, akin to Penguin's Umbrella. I was hoping that th- because this was the mid season finale, and it seemed to be, I don't know, maybe it was because of our perception. But I thought I went into it thinking that like it was actively going to like you know further the series like that episode did, and maybe it's because of like the episode order or whatever, it wasn't actively intending to. Because it, it kind of was like sort of an action episode most of the time. There, you know, there was your, it felt more typical than the last couple of episodes have been. And um, I enjoyed it for what it was, although I, I, I wish I enjoyed it more than I did. And uh, that's all I'll say for now. I think for the most part it was pushing forward the, the, uh, the storyline of the, the Wayne murders. Because – I don't think it necessarily reached ahead, but I think we got an, yet another piece of the puzzle, and we were able to knock somebody off the list, uh, you know, as an easy, hey, it was his fault, so mystery solved. And I think we were also able to pull some people back in. Um, for instance, Ivy, which I just thought was interesting that we see her pop up again and, mm-hmm. and having her relate to, to Bruce and everything. So it wasn't uh, an exceptional, you know, ending uh, as I think Penguin. No, I think the previous episode to Penguin's Umbrella, right, where where you see it and he's in the police office. Uh, I am you know? Oswald. Exactly. Robert. I think that would have been if you could have that would have been the moment, you know, to end that with a cliffhanger and everything but but i think it it is it may not be huge but i think it does further that wayne plot and if everything is very bruce wayne centric i think uh that was perhaps the the way they should have done it i liked this episode a lot um it might it's probably in my top three along with the pilot and penguin's umbrella I, i probably liked it better than spirit of the goat which is like also one of my favorites as well because it's a mid-season finale and mid-season finales have kind of taken on a little bit of a culture of their own like over the last decade because you know seasons have always been like split up in like you know the fall and the spring you know and like kind of like sprinkled throughout but i guess like because of you know dramas like walking dead or breaking bad or i think even smallville did mid-season finales it's like mid-season finales have been played up where they're almost events in and onto their own and i don't remember it being that way like before five or six years ago so there, I had a lot more expectations on this, and you know, I was hoping that it would surpass Penguin's Umbrella. Really, I'm hoping that every episode will surpass that one because it was my favorite. And you know, mm-hmm. you only want good things from mm-hmm. when you watch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that Penguin's Umbrella would have been more suited for a mid-season finale. But if I ignore like the placement of this, you know, in the like airing order, and just like imagine that you know you're watching this on Netflix like three years from now, like some people do when they binge and say. Okay, I'm gonna start off. People aren't gonna know what the mid-season finale was. They're just gonna like watch through season one. So, uh, as an episode on its own, divorced from you know the event of a mid-season finale, I think it was very good. I liked that it was action-oriented, and I liked how, um, as we discussed with Dustin last week, we didn't have you know some, you know, while, while everyone's trying to find Bruce and Selena, you know, Harvey and Jim aren't trying to find you know the popcorn killer or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like we, we could you know there was only kind of one plot to concentrate on 
you know, with a little bit of a Falcone subplot that was honestly just kind of wheel spinning and a little contradictory for me. But that was my thoughts on the episode. This one I watched on my laptop during dinner because my gym membership has expired and I have to renew it. So You better renew it. Well, I was also at a friend's house, too. So Maybe you, know, you should fun. stop fellowshipping and being social. And weed a hermit's life and just watch Gotham. Oh, my God. You're just jealous because I was at a lady friend's house. And ever since we broke up, every single time I spend time with a lady friend, I get these weird te- – Why is the show so dramatic with the hosts? <laughs> I mean the podcast. <laughs> we can't leave our personal lives out of it for one, for one instant. It's, it sounds like we're all going to have lots of words about uh, different things in this episode. And I think um, Selena's behavior seems to be – a hot button issue. So maybe we should get that out of the way. Really? How, how are we? <laughs> was um, that like well, a hiccup he's or a crow? It's hot button for him. I well, thought not, you told me we were going to have words, didn't you, Stella? I say we were going to have words if you kept saying that. Assassin's David Kane and latest Shiva. <laughs> I think when I texted, uh, I don't know. One of what? <laughs> well, actually, off the camera, man. He, he, here's a fun thing for the listeners. You know, last night, you know, I'm at my I'm at my friend's house. And I get a text from Stella, you know, she's asking about, you know, TVU-related stuff, and she says, we need to discuss tomorrow what the difference between a nice person and a good person is. And having not seen this episode yet, I'm thinking that she's talking about, you know, whatever we were just recently talking about, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess Stella's mad at someone, and she thinks that they're a good person, but they're not nice about it. And then I watched Gotham, like, six hours later, I was like, okay, (laughs) now I get it. I want to text her, but it's like 2 a.m. I guess I'll just say that I was a little ticked at her because at the end, when they're in the warehouse, she turns around. She sees not Lady Shiva about to, you know, uh, take out the future Batman and forever, you know, change continuity. She turns around and you think, oh, she's going to Han Solo in, you know, and help. But no, she doesn't. She she goes out the window. Um, And frankly, that ticked me off. And it ticked me off, too, that... After everything that they went through together, she um, wasn't going to stick around in Wayne Manor and say, like, yeah, I'm going to see this through. I'm totally going to testify, and I'm going to cooperate with the police. Now, granted, when I had time to calm down and think about that, her staying would have just put a target on Bruce because now, like, whoever, you know, was pulling the strings will still be after her, I guess. But it, I thought she was very selfish in this episode and i'm tired of her always leaving you know like it happened in um what was episode three i think episode three was balloon man and like in balloon man you know she's like yeah i'm totally gonna help you gordon and then she leaves him in the sewer and then you know here she said she was gonna help again and she's gone and it just it's it ticks you know, me I, off. I didn't i didn't think about that when i was watching the scene i was i was just worried about you know if she was going to try to sh- the woman was going to try to shoot bruce or not but um it reminds me of earlier in the episode when Bruce was like, you know, I must go back for Alfred. And she's like, you know, we have the chance to run. We need to take the, We can't waste this chance to run. So maybe she was just following her own device. I'm not really disagreeing with what you're saying. But, you know, because she's a kid and because she's Catwoman or uh, something Kyle, I mean, um, I, guess I, I guess I'm not as galled by it because it's not 100 miles away from her character, at least at this point. But I, I, I do see what you're saying. I will. I'm going to say something and I don't want it to be taken Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> well, because I know, like I, I, 
I'm very close to a couple of students who, in fact, have Asperger's. He's very socially awkward, as if he does have Asperger's or something of that, because the way, and perhaps it's just him not really interacting at all with other kids his age, but he's off-putting, but he is not meaning to be off-putting. So just that initial conversation, like they're having a good bonding moment where he's trying to... I mean, in in a sense, he's training and she's helping him out. The, you know, it's a very simple lesson of using your core to balance. And it's a great moment. And then all of a sudden it shifts because he's trying to describe her as he sees her. And it's poorly put. So, of course, she's insulted and, and there's all, all those sorts of problems. So, I think part of the issue of how she acts is in fact just like trying to interact with him and it's just being strange. It's just not, I I think there are certain moments that it's brilliant, like the bagel fight that they had at the end of the last one. And, and, you know, just the staircase thing. And I thought about that when he was throwing the stuff at not Shiva. (laughs) (laughs) If you hit me with one of these, I'll kiss you. Oh dear. Um, that's like getting to Tim Drake stuff. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. Maybe Bruce Wayne is actually Tim Drake and they're going to like punk us at the end of season five. It'll be a big punking. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's that. I I think just the interactions, it's, it's just him kind of, I don't know, getting used to talking with people. I do find it problematic that. You know, whenever there's a chance to help somebody or to go as a team, she's got to go off on her own. So I think this first starts with the mansion. She's like, come on, come on. He's very concerned about Alfred. She leaves him in the dust. So I think that is very much the fight or flight idea for her because, I mean, she's grown up on the streets. So really, who can argue against that i mean her being a kid hey man you know this is not my fight i don't owe alfred anything i'm gonna leave because it's my neck on the line so she goes i think the opposite of this which was a beautiful moment is if and i was actually super nervous about it but when they were walked in that room they're making their little pyramid to the top i thought once that skylight is open she's gonna jet out and he's gonna be left in the lurch but it was wonderful because that was a diversionary tactic to a certain extent or it just didn't work out yeah she didn't abandon him until five minutes later i don't care for you as a person or a friend are you gonna Um, then you could go ahead and abandon me when a guy's about to shoot me in the face but i don't think when did that happen i didn't see any abandonment they were all together i mean they had to separate they couldn't stay together in everything really turned back and she gazed realistically speaking though i mean like 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 truly realistically speaking like what what she would have done she would have yelled, like, you know, gotten this person's attention. Like, I'm the one you want. And, and then, then the when she turns breaks. around, she does something, you know, Catwoman-y, like, you know, the getaway. Well, she's not Catwoman gets... yet. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, that's, that's the thing. She's, she's already picking locks. She's already, I mean, the only time that, like, she gets yeah, caught she, is when she, she's She doesn't know martial clothes. arts or something like that. She doesn't wear leather or anything like that. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that, like, I'm at this point. I'm not saying she's going to take out her whip, but I'm saying, like, you know, yell to the woman and distract her because you're on the other side of the room. She can't just, like, get you right away. And then you just give Bruce a few seconds, you know, to and get over. Can I ask you a question that comes off of that, that, that very much how, – for how long did Selena know that it would, that she was the target? Because she knew at the end, but was it – I mean, 
Could, I think if she's, she knew, a, she's a smart cookie, and I think so she knew she from knew the beginning. So if she knew all along, can you blame her that she's trying to potentially like get away from that, and she knows maybe that Bruce is in no danger because it's her head that's on the line? Well, and I think that that's a human thing of her, you know, and, and she admitted that, that, like, she just wanted to hang out with him because, you know, she's I, – I think she's lonely. She's on the street for too long, and she has no friends, not even Corey from Corey in the house, and that's so Raven, you know, <laughs> knows her so well. I thought that was that guy. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. I saw his name in the credits, Kyle Massey, and I was like, could it be – I think he was in Selena Kyle, too. Um, I know he's, been he's older than that, did, but I guess did, it's not changed. Did you ever watch Corey in the House or That's So Raven, Stella? That's So Raven, yes. Yeah, that that the little brother was like the uh, the orphan kid that um, uh, Bullock was roughing up. That yeah. Alfred was like giving money to. Like, I'm going to put a hundred dollars on the table. <laughs> Bullock, Alfred, I think, stop that. I think this is a situation where we're all free to disagree because I don't. I honestly don't see a one true uh, cold fact in this scenario. I really do because well, it, 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 she keeps for- things close to the vest, like almost as much as Penguin does. Oh, that's something we can talk about later. Well, do you think that at this point, like you know, we could bring up what she's, uh, what Bruce says at the beginning to her, like you know, I don't understand why you want to kiss me. Do you think that you know she <laughs> just thinks that he's so like stuck up and she kind of wants to you know like ruffle his feathers a little bit, or does she actually have romantic feelings for him at this point? I think she's she. Uh, <laughs> I'm no girl, but I, I from what I've seen, I think she's slightly attracted to him, probably because he is so intense. Or I don't know why, but like I think she just enjoys playing with him. Hey, you want to kiss me? Why not? Like she doesn't see too much into it. And obviously, Bruce, Mister, you know, everything must have a reason. Guy is like, well, there's no reason that you that you should want to kiss me. So I don't see what's going on. She just like she doesn't take things too seriously so i think that's just there is a mild attraction there's definitely an attraction between the two of them I and mean, the spoilers they did kiss at the end and then she like uh pulled a batman and just disappeared but um i think that like uh i, I thought it made i thought it made sense it, it didn't strike me as nonsensical just for the sake of shipping i don't think it's an, a romantic attraction i think she's attracted to him because he is this strange like person and like trying to get to know him and i think we saw that from the very beginning where she was checking up on him getting ever closer just checking him out and wondering who he is uh, i think uh i i think it's kids play i don't think there's romance i mean i ship them obviously but i oh, yeah. don't think there's actual romance there uh it's just an interesting relationship for the two of them and i think she does like to to mess with them i mean goodness she gave him a concussion he failed his concussion test his school called me and said that he failed his concussion test because he got hit with that bagel <laughs> uh, I, I was so confused like what, what? <laughs> this woman this way has failed his concussion you know I bring up giant chickens, and you're like, Josh, what are you talking about? But for some reason, like, Gotham Academy is doing, like, concussion tests. Well, you you know know what? I'm glad that I'm finally the person who gets to do her own jokes and confuse everyone else, because I'm normally the person who's out of it. So, ha! Ha, ha, ha! Tell tell that to all the people who don't watch Downton Abbey. Hold on. Listener? May I ask Stella uh, something? Um, like, I mean, when you say that, like, you don't think there's the romantic in there, romantic tension in there. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think that we're, we're saying that, like, you know, they're like writing love letters to each other, but it does seem like it. <laughs> Imagine like Civil War love letters, like. <laughs> Dear Selena, I think about you every day. Um, but I, I think this is definitely on the on that road, though. I mean, I don't think it's it's, it's too far removed. 
I would say that she's just trying to, like, you know, um, ruffle his face. You know, like, this is a stuck-up guy, and she's trying to, like, you know, make him nervous until that moment when they go to um, the Foot Clan's headquarters from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja (laughs) Turtles movie. Did did anyone else think that? Oh, that that, that was an inescapable, you know, parallel. (laughs) This is what we want. Stella, you saw that, right? (laughs) I I missed what you were connecting to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, remember, uh, we're on another show called Comic Book Film Review, and we reviewed the 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we remember, like, the Foot Clan headquarters, the skateboard park that Chris made fun of? Mm-hmm. Bruce and Selena <laughs> so, went there this episode. Uh, uh, Is there a skateboarder there? There wasn't a but it looked just like that, like, that, that place. But anyway, the point I was making was, when they were there, and, like, we got a, you know... And they made it with a Joe Schumacher stand. That, that guy was basically like, like Stan from Batman Year One, but Joe Schumacher eyes because he was ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I, I was thinking like, is this is this the Schumacher verse now? But anyway, um, when when they see Ivy Pepper, which I still hate that name, like <laughs> <laughs> when they see Ivy Pepper and like when she kind of like you know flirts with Bruce a little bit, you see Selena like immediately like she's no longer friendly with Ivy because like first it's like. She wants to talk with Ivy. She's concerned for her. She's friendly. But once, like, Ivy flirts with Bruce a little bit, Selena becomes very possessive and, like, come on, let's get out of here. I must have been off basis. I didn't get that at all. I got the fact that, like, Ivy started acting angry and weird because she's poison Ivy. And and uh, Selena was like, oh, come, come on, let's go because she's a weirdo. I, I didn't get the fact that she was, like, that I, that uh, not Pamela, obviously, was uh, was flirting with him and then that Selena was jealous. I yeah I and I think perhaps even more so than the the weirdness is also because they were talking about the whole br- the the Wayne murders and how her father was involved, mm-hmm. which again got my little spider sense tingling that I I'm really fearful that Selena Kyle really has no knowledge in this case, so she wanted to get away from that topic as quickly as possible, and so took him away. Yeah, that's what I got too. Exactly. I, I should watch that scene again because it is. What I saw was Selena being very, very friendly, but her attitude changes very, very abruptly. And she's like, oh, well, Ivy's just weird. And if Ivy's so weird, then why were you being so friendly to her a minute ago? Like, you know, what changed? And I guess I saw the interest in Bruce, but I, I guess it could be the whole Mario Pepper thing. Here's, let me, let me throw, this is a total hypothetical that doesn't really have anything to do with the context of this episode. But let me, no. throw, this, uh, let me throw this at you, at you guys. Does it relate? Yeah, of course. so. <laughs> I'm not a babbling idiot. So, um, like, so Bruce and Selena have met, and they've established. Selena knows that Bruce is driven. That Bruce is, you know, focused on bettering himself for you know, to fight fear. And there, there is an established slight. Stella might yell it, but slight romantic, you know, tension. I mean, they did kiss at least. Do you imagine how this might play out hypothetically? When they're adults and like they're both socialites or something like that. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have to play out just like the comics, but where would they go from here potentially? You know, like like down the line, like where 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 else can they go from here? I would almost love if because now I, I'm really getting to the point. As I said a couple times, I think it was when I was with Josh. You know, trying to separate separate myself from watching this and thinking about Batman's continuity and everything. So treating it as two different things and just seeing this as a separate journey. So I would almost like as they grow older to have a relationship between themselves, but in a very Gwen Stacy manner for Selena Kyle to hate that alter ego. 
to hate mm. Batman. That, that would be interesting because that's that's actually opposite of how yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. She, she finds yeah. Bruce Wayne boring and Batman fascinating, so that'd be kind of cool. But I don't think you can do that here because they know they have a history here. It's kind of like the whole, um, and and here it is with Smallville again, but yep. with, with, Le- <laughs> with, with Lex and Clark, where it's like you know, if Lex and Clark as teenagers are already, you know, you already have Clark bursting in Luther Mansion all the time, saying, "Lex, <laughs> I know you're behind this," you know, like like they've before Superman's had his first appearance, they've already had like thirty battles. It's you know, we were asking then, like, what's this going to do to their dynamic as an adult? Like, how is he going to think that Clark Kent's just like a mild mannered reporter? So I think it's. This is another case of something like that, and oh, yeah, how is I'm it going to play it's out? Well, like, it's, I don't think that we're ever going to see like her put on a Catwoman costume and him put on a Batman costume in the show. Maybe in a flash forward, but like – I'm not saying that like, like when they're adults, they should like have a different relationship. I'm not saying, like, oh, Bruce Wayne, I vaguely remember you from when I was 10. I'm saying that like, you know – I can remember the time when I lived at your house for a week. <laughs> I, I'm saying when they're, when they're adults, how will that – how will that like? Because this, I think this is a fairly significant relationship that these characters would have with anybody else. So how would that? I'm interested to. I'm interested to think about how that would play out, and when when they're in different states, they're going to grow apart because he's going to be more driven by justice and the law, and she's going to go more outside of the law. So, and I think that it's going to be one of those cases where they have this bond from childhood, but their fundamental differences, like drive them apart and maybe that's why you know like in those old golden age stories batman always lets catwoman get away because even though she's Uh. a criminal and like you know like adam west crime is bad you know maybe part of him is not as hard on her because of everything that they've been through together well i mean i gotta say that like this in the last episode has really there's been a lot of like just in the last few years, you know, the whole Gotham High cartoon that never happened, and like Paul Dini and Kevin Smith talking about a Gotham Academy television show, and then you have the Gotham Academy comic book, which I've yet to read, and then you have this show. I would be very interested in seeing like a Bruce and Selena show. I'm not lobbering for it to happen, but like the way they set it up, I know, I hear you sigh, but the way, they, the way they set it up now, I think what they have now in terms of these two characters and their relationship is actually legitimately intriguing. As I said last episode, they have good chemistry together, and if they did not have the good somehow. chemistry together, what do you mean somehow? <laughs> As if it's so hard to believe. And if they didn't have the chemistry together, this episode wouldn't work, just like last episode wouldn't, because so much of this was like them going through the streets of Gotham together and, you know, and, and he, and he did that jump, which was so not obviously a stunt double when it like did that far out shot, but I'm back. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> not that I wanted to see like, you know, 14 or 12 year old, like David Mazuz, Maziz. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Not that I wanted to see him like actually jump across the roof, but like that was so obviously a stunt double. When, when I thought I was watching Matrix for a moment. Yeah, the guy who landed was a lot taller than uh, that, that kid was. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that noticed that. And I was watching on like a laptop screen, you know. Well, like, I, mean, I mean, I, I expect. I mean, I would be shocked if like they they threw up that kid. You want to be Batman? <laughs> you got it. Everything that comes with it. <laughs> well, it was kind of cool though, because we're, we're in a way, we're, you know, we, we joke, ah, oh, Batman, Batman and Hush have already fought. You know, we make those jokes, but like this is kind of like you know. "Quote unquote," Batman has you know made his first leap across the Gotham rooftops. That was kind of a nice moment, I thought, because mm-hmm. it was it was it was almost iconic. And there's also a nice moment, and this is this is kind of like like uh, uh, sleazy of me to bring up, but I mean like um, when uh, when 
Selena says, you do what I say, and Bruce says, yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, that, that, that to me is kind of funny, because there's, there's a lot of, like, you know, especially with the Batman Returns Catwoman, how she's kind of a dominatrix and stuff. That just, that just came into my mind. But um, You've oh been watching gosh. the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer too many times, Donovan. You know, you, you get desensitized after 60, so every night. <laughs> <laughs> he Donovan has to attach a car battery to his like eye socket just to feel. <laughs> and to go back like about like ten minutes to a point that Stella made. Um, I don't think that Bruce has Asperger's. I think that it's just he's been like raised like you know in this environment to be very stuck up and you know and he's around rich kids and he's very practical and he only like sees things one way. I think that it's just the difference between like streets, you know, smart Selena and Bruce who, even though, you know, he's kind of like becoming Batman, there's still like a very, very like childlike sensibility to him where, yes, I mean, a moment that defines his character to me is like when he's talking to Tommy Elliot a few episodes ago and he says, you're being very mean and I don't understand why. Well, there's like, this too, where it's like you know, I, like like your reasoning is very convoluted, and and uh, he's like, no <laughs> it's true. Like like that that yeah, that that's along the same lines. Um, here's a question: Do you are you people who have Asperger's? Are they born with it, or do you gain it later? You, you're you're born with it. Yeah. Okay, I just didn't know. And I mean, if anyone who watches the bridge, obviously it's not to that degree um, as the as a female detective on there, but there's just something and and. I just uh, relating it to to my experience, just uh, like a social awkwardness there, and almost a lack of of filter. But but I do think that it's it's uh, I his mean, best friend is his butler. Yeah, I I think it is not having world experience. Right. Well, I, he sees the world, but he sees it through like jet planes and like private schools. Like he's not around like you know people who. Behave the way that you he's not around street criminals. Yeah, the way that like Raven's little brother. Um, uh, I say Raven, not Teen Titans Raven, but like Raven Simone. Not yet, um, gotcha. You know Kyle Massey and like Selena Kyle. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but Alfred, we got to see Alfred, you know, in this episode in action. Yeah, uh, he was with, pretty sweet with swords and flirting with fish, and you know, taking names. I actually really felt for Bruce that one part where he's running out of the house with Selena and he's like, I have to go back for Alfred and Selena's pushing him along because this is a kid who the last few months has been like beating himself up over if only there was some way I could save my parents. And now like the the other like most important person in his life could be about to die and like he's once again, you know, powerless to do anything about it in his eyes, you know, obviously Alfred <laughs> – can more than take care of himself as demonstrated, but that was an interesting moment for me. Yeah, he was a big part about why I was enjoying what I was seeing because a lot of times the characters that I'm invested in can carry me through, you know, any sort of plot. And when you had him and when you had him and Gordon together, and you know that these these two characters who are honest with each other more more often than any other time, like you know, Gordon tends to like you know kind of like placate and lie to a lot of people who's with even Bullock at times. So seeing Jim and Alfred. You know, discuss the main plot kept me interested, and the fact that they brought Bullock along in too, it was and seeing like you know Bullock and Alfred team, which is an interesting pairing. I, I really enjoyed uh, the Alfred scenes. You know what? It reminded me of the Alfred from Beware the Batman because he's very capable, and and you see that he does. It's oh, have you guys read um, Eternal? I'm not sure which one it is, but it's a team up between Alfred and Bane. What? <laughs> yeah, let me repeat that. What? 
Yeah, no, it's actually one of the. It, it was an amazing issue. It was this great team up between the two of them as they they like work their way uh, through the the collapse of uh, well the ruins really of Arkham, and uh, you you from that and, and I think from this you really get a sense of just how capable Alfred is, and that he's not just a butler. And of course, you wondered about him. I think in a couple episodes past, where you know, okay, he's teaching him to fight. So what does that mean? And here you see how how well he can handle himself. So I feel like his military background maybe uh, coming to the fold. Um, yeah, I, I like how, you know, I've complained about this character for a while just because I feel like he has no fatherly instincts. He com- he says that he's not dealt with children anymore, you know, but I felt like that's, it just seemed like a, a terrible betrayal of, of the of the character. And and I felt like in this episode, you really see the father's love that is, is burgeoning and, and coming forth because, I mean, look at how concerned he was and, and for both of their safeties and, and going after it and smooth talker, smooth operator with the yeah. fish. And yeah, so it was, it was great. Yeah. I, I'm never really in doubt of, as Alfred's like, like, Abilities because they do vary between versions, like 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 sometimes he is just a butler who has like acting skills, and sometimes he's a you know an extra military man. Um, but like I mean, I think they, I think they kind of they've always been like you know sort of insinuating that with like you know manhandling Christmas salads and stuff. So I just sat back and and watched him oh, that was take over every situation that he was in, you know, and and it was really uh, it's, it's it's fun to see. Uh, I don't need to be reminded that he can do stuff, but it's fun to see it nonetheless, personally. All right, now Stella, you are the shipper. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know that that was one of your favorite words in 2011, and probably has been in 2012 since. and 2013. Yeah. You do your shipper spotlight episodes. Um, it used to be a regular segment on BTO. Yep. I don't know why why it's not anymore, but you know I what? Digress. You watch you complain on another show. Okay. Well, I, I say all this to say, I'm asking you, the shipper expert, do you ship Alfred and Mooney? I I do. Uh, I just got this weird sense between the two of them and, and fish is, I mean, fish gets her way, you know, and, and it's interesting. I, I will always remember that just like, you know, she's like, okay, okay, Harvey, put my man on. He just threatened me. (laughs) So just like the complete turnaround. And here, you know, she's saying she's kind of being polite and saying, Harvey, why would I help you? And then Alfred pops up and she gives it a thought and she's like, okay, but you'll owe me. Like completely not. And I I thought that was completely sincere. I don't think there was like she turned around like we're going to gun for that old man. But somehow, (laughs) somehow he was able to to make her drop her defenses and uh, I don't think anything's actually, you know, I was actually thinking about this. Like, what would I think if all of a sudden in a few episodes you see, uh, <laughs> you see Alfred, you see Alfred and then a hand, a hand goes over his pectoral muscle and then you see the fish. Um, 
he, he's he's lying in the bed, Barbara Keene style, exactly. and Bruce is leaving a message. Saying. Alfred, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm nothing without you. Please come home. Which is actually <laughs> funny. If I may make a Smallville reference, I didn't even think about this, but when you see that scene with Barbara Keene, and then like a hand goes over, very similar to the Pandora episode in season nine, where uh, it's the flash forward because uh, Lois is having these weird thoughts, and you see Clark there, and then you see like a hand, and you're like, it's Lois, and that was the first time you've ever seen them together like that even though it's on a, an alternate reality but oh yeah it's my smallville reference but yeah i thought oh how would i react and i thought to myself i would actually react better to that even though it'd be super bizarre than to the uh the barbara keen renee montoya thing i think there was some chemistry there i think it was very telling how she acted and how she responded and that she allowed and gave help i think that's very telling especially for someone fish mooney however do i see anything physically happening no and if it did i'd be like say what am i drinking something that i didn't realize (laughs) it's very weird for me to see alfred get romantic with anyone like um don't bring up about Don't what? Don't bring up Dana Drake. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, like ten years ago, there was like a storyline where Alfred was in love with Tim's stepmom, and it was really weird. And then it was never mentioned again. Um, and I don't like putting him with Leslie Tompkins because to me, it's like too obvious to the point where it's oh, almost. Oh yeah, I read about her. She's only pretty soon now. Yeah, well, it's it's too obvious to the point where it's almost lazy to me. Like you know, the two like you know parental figures that Bruce has, well, of course they're going to hook up because they both take care of Bruce and they're, you know, like in the same age range and they're male and female. But that that's a whole other thing. Um, oh, 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 I want to know this. Um, I think the idea is there because we're the internet, but like, uh, it, I, like when, when I actually stop and like physically think about it, it makes me sick <laughs> because you're putting like, you know, it, it, it's not just like the fact that like he's old and she's not as old, but like, it, she's a crime boss, and like she's she's everything that Fish is doing is to like you know uh, take over Falcone's empire, and like on the side she's like you know I'm going to romance this this butler, <laughs> like it it, it 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 would be like like super soap opera convoluted. I mean I wouldn't hate it because I would be too busy laughing, but I, it would not make any sense in the world. <laughs> it was interesting for me to see like Alfred. In Fish Mooney's place, because one of the criticisms that this show has had for a while is, like, there are certain characters who, like, are trapped in certain rooms. Like, you almost never see Fish leave her club, and, like, it took, like, half of, you know, the series for Barbara King to, like, get out of her apartment. And yeah, besides uh, the pilot, have we seen Alfred outside of Wayne Manor? He went to see Jim Gordon at the police station when he's like, won't you take him to a psychiatrist? No, 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 that's a bad idea. Um, he, he drove Bruce to Tommy Elliott's house to beat him up. Uh, so yeah. I think, I think Alfred has traveled, but there's like certain people who like spend 90% of their scenes and in, in, in certain, you know, sets. That was the same with a lot of Smallville. I mean, not, not as much, but like, you know, in Smallville, you would have Clark in his loft. You would have the Kents in the kitchen. You would have Lex in his, his mansion. You would have, uh, like Pete and, and Chloe at school. So like, it, I think it's just like uh, the trappings of this sort of show. Speaking of Fish Mooney. Really? That's another example of her, like, you know. I must take over the Falcon Empire. I've been really sick of those scenes. I wish that these writers would communicate with each other because, like, 
kidnaps Penguin like, you know, who's doing this? You know, why is this person doing this? And I'm like, haven't you two been talking? Like, I got a much different sense of the Falcone uh, Oswald relationship and like what each of them know in this episode than I did in Penguin's Umbrella. And that that does kind of annoy me, kind of like the whole Maroni dishwasher thing and is Bruce going to school or not thing. It's um, – he knows that, you know, Fish is betraying him. Shouldn't he be suspecting Fish? I mean – and he probably does, judging by that, like, weird dot dinner scene. Yeah, he was like, you know, I know that Fish is trying to get me, but at the same time – I could handle the Fish. I, I won't believe you when, she, when you say that she's up to no good, Penguin, because you don't like her. Even though everything else that you said has come true. <laughs> Which is admitted. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really a huge fan of the whole fish stuff. I'm not a big fan of the whole Liza subplot because that actress is getting on my last nerve. <laughs> well, the, the subplot here was like the your last nerve? Liza. Oh, but she's not doing anything. You're, this well, is as ridiculous was, as the argument that... Harper Rowe is being like in, like thrown upon us. Now, that wasn't me. That was Dustin and Joe. I know, like, but it's uh, the same thing. Why no, but like, I mean, the, she the actress pulled and came back. What the actress I- pulls the same duck face every scene she's in. That she has like no facial expressions, and like I don't get it. Why? Like, 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 you know, all of a sudden it's like you know who took my money? Like I'll kill you, Penguin. It's like well, you better let me handle your dirty work. Okay. Like, I, I was, I have no idea what's happening. I, I really don't. I really don't. Why couldn't I just say it was Fish Mooney? Why doesn't he believe him? Answer me! Oh, is that an open question for anyone? It's because we're still in the middle of the first season, and nothing is allowed to happen yet. Stella, what's your answer? My answer, I guess it's, it's that, though, when someone says something like that, I want to strangle them. But um, <laughs> because Wait, of the who? terrible answer. I think that it was poorly written that entire scene because okay. he he should trust Penguin thoroughly. If he did not trust him, he he would not be, I think, able to to go around and and do what he's been doing. And I I think this has gone against what we thought a few episodes ago on on, on our podcast here, if I may use the first person plural, um, <laughs> that you know we thought that Carmine. What, knew what was going on, that he was not naive, he was not being duped. And I think that this makes it a little clearer that he is being duped, I think, uh, in a certain – because I, I just was astounded. I was flabbergasted that he was not taking what Penguin was saying at face value. He was digging deeper and saying there's no mole. Then you need to provide proof of this. I just thought this is a completely different character. Some writer really messed this up right now. I, I completely disagree with that scene. I thought it was very poorly done. I do not think it would have happened in this manner. It was very much a scene that, like, you know, the characters are acknowledging that something's happening, but they're not doing anything about it. And because they're acknowledging, we're, we're going to use that as an excuse to say that we're developing the story. Yeah, I could have done without most of the, you know, Falcone fish stuff this episode. I, it was interesting, you know, the dinner scene, especially the way it was shot where, like, you yeah, don't know like, what happened. You you hear the, the door, like, slams, but it's like a gunshot. And you see, like, fish, like jerk up and like you know and she's not in her restaurant and they're eating they're all eating with that guy's face in the chowder (laughs) and and you don't know what happened at first until like the camera pans out and you see that fish is a little phased by this and she's put on the spot like you know what do you think fish do you think this is fair It, it was it was wheel spinning 
and Liza. I mean, it was interesting when like Liza comes in, she sees Oswald and she cowers. And I guess while you know, again, Penguin does know, you know, who the mole was, but he's not sane for his own reasons. And for but for some reason, this guy who plays everything close to the to the vest and like has his own plans, you know, tells, you know, random thug number 3 that he's in the car with like ev- everything. That that surprised me because apparently this guy knows that he's working for like both sides which I thought was a secret from everyone but Falcone. I mean, there are all this talk about, like, like, you know, oh, you're going to do this, this, this. Like, you know, just do something or not, basically. Uh, so Gordon's scene with Lovecraft and, like, getting behind this Wayne's conspiracy theory thing. So I... I was uh, by that. <laughs> like, like did, did, he have, did he have... So he had something to do with it after all. And I he, guess, like, like who, who hired the people in the first place? See, because Fish thought that it was Lovecraft's people. She's like, the Lovecraft witness. Right. Um, <laughs> he didn't have anything to do with it. What he said was that, like, he saw that, like, something was going on with Waynestock. So he, so he figured out, like, oh, I should, you know, get a piece of this action. So he, like, did his investments, I guess, a certain way so that he would profit. Like, I think he knew that the murders were coming and he looked into it. And he found out who was behind it. And he'll tell you in just a second, right after these people, like, come to the door. Like, instead of blurring it out right away, like, but... Um, I was thought he was going to get sniped out, because he was, like, like sh- sh- talking to him far away, next to a, a, a window. I was waiting for him to get, like, shot in the head any, any minute. I, the moment that he said, oh, no, I'll tell you who the real, you know, like, big bad is, I said, okay, he's not going to leave this scene alive at all. Exactly. So could it be Lou Moxon? I hope so, but then again, like you know, that would add another thread to the whole mafia thing, which none of us love. I don't know that, that, that added another wrinkle, and I was, I was trying to keep up because people were hired to kill Selena Kyle because I, ideally they they think that she might know who killed the Wings. That's why he was killed because he may have something to do with it. Do we have a clue who hired those assassins who weren't Shiva or Kane? No, just whoever the big like mysterious person is who i guess would have been in those files that you know he was about to show gordon yeah i guess those files were snatched up because i thought even if the guy's dead he could still take the files but he, he didn't do that gordon was very optimistic when he woke up he's like mr lovecraft he's like please you were knocked out this is this is going to be a finding nemo situation here where like you know you're going to look over and see everyone's gone i don't know i have a headache i was I had a hard time paying attention in this episode either that or was legitimately confusing well, like, what do you make of all that, Stella? I think it's just it's more complication to 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 add to the pot, basically. Uh, once we get, you know, it was super easy in the beginning, but then we realized that was a false trail, that Pepper had nothing to do with it, really, and and then we thought it was, you know, fish, but it seems like the trail is deeper than fish, and so as we get closer to finding the answer. We are as close as we get. We are as far away as possible, and I think it's just going to be one of those things. And and I could almost imagine the Wayne murders never being solved. And it's just one of those things that you. It's just so many people had a motive to to get it done, and I, I think as we get close to one, then we realize, oh, that can't be it. Like just, I mean, Lovecraft. Oh, it must have been Love. Well, Lovecraft just got killed, so it wasn't him. So I don't think it was Lovecraft, obviously, who hired those people. Because 
because they would not have killed the person paying, signing their check. Uh, so it had to have been somebody else on the higher up. Um, I'm, I'm sure it has nothing to do with Carmine or um, Mulroney. I think that'd be too easy of an answer, and I don't think it was a fish either. So probably some third-party player that we have not even met yet. Let me ask you guys something, uh, and I and I brought this up to uh, Dustin, who by the time you hit listen to this episode, that commentary should be out. Not Dustin, uh, Michael Bailey. Um, which one? Because they're are interchangeable. I'm, I'm confusing Batman <laughs> with Superman. Um, but it happens all the time. Just ask Lois Lane. <laughs> oh my goodness. Which which version of Batman's origin do you prefer? The fact that his parents' killer was Joe Chill and you know who he is, like, you know, he ends up dying? Or do you, do you prefer, like, you know, being an unsolved mystery? I don't like the unsolved mystery. I mean, I don't really see the point or the added thing to it. And I think that Joe Chill does give you a sense of closure. And it's not like he finds his parents' killer and he's going to stop being Batman. Like, I never understood that because that, that, that wasn't what it was about. That was never what it was about. I liked it, it being more than just a random act, though. Yeah. Okay, that, that 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 that's well. I guess it's three against one then, because that's what Billy says. I personally like the idea that it's like a random killing that just like you know just gets lost in the ether. I understand that it invites the idea that Batman is like you know someday I'll find him, and I don't like that because I like the fact that his mission is more than just himself. It's like Batman Begins Illustrated. It's, it's for a greater good than just his own personal pain. He fights for evil and lives, for, lives love. for love. Oh no, he fights for family and lives for love. But like, I mean, but. At the same time, I don't. I've I've grown to understand and like the idea of Joe Chill and Lou Moxon. I'm not really a fan of the whole conspiracy thing, but I think it does work well for this show. So I think that like if I think Stella referenced or, or was getting close to the idea that maybe the killer's never killing is never solved, mm-hmm. and that, I think that would be an interesting twist for the show personally. How would we feel if like after all of this, like you know, let's solve this mystery? It turned out everything was a dead end. And eventually, it turns out that it was just Joe Chill acting on his own. You know, no Lovecraft, no well, Falcon. That's what it was with the the, um, the zero year issue of Batman in the New Fifty Two. Like, you know, he thought it was a big conspiracy, and then he confronted Joe Chill, and Joe Chill was some wino who didn't know what he was doing. And um, right. he's he on Batman anyway. Which, which I, mean, I thought that was pretty good. Pretty good interpretation, to be honest. I mean, we still have another piece of the puzzle, which is um, um, that. That woman who worked for Wayne Enterprises that was following Bruce, like, there's still that piece of the puzzle, but it could be that, like, like Stella said, so many people could benefit from this. I thought it was like a, 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 and, and maybe And maybe some people were plotting to kill the Waynes on their own, and this was just, like, a happy accident for, you know, for all of these conspirators. They're like, oh, well, this kind of solves all problem. <laughs> there, there was a meeting amongst, like, you know, the Wayne assassins, and they kind of drew straws. Okay, you're going to do it. Well, Joe Chill already did, but um, so it's, it's it's like you know it goes from like you would know would that upset the audience if like after all of this like you know build up to this mystery and all of these leads it was it was just a random killing all along like a bunch of red herrings that you're like wading through a pool of red herrings. <laughs> Um, I don't know. See, the the reason why I don't like it being random, um, because I I totally recognize that's how it all began. So as a purist, I I can understand that people would want it to be a, you know, a random shooting. What I like about it not being random is you actually get to know the Waynes a little bit. Because I think in that moment you, where it's very random, you, you have this character, Bruce Wayne. And you can only glimpse his parents through him, like using him as a looking glass, because how he acts 
hopefully it was a reflection of how he was raised. But I like seeing that origin, and, and I think that ties a lot just to Superman. Being able to see where Superman came from and, and Martha and Jonathan and seeing how they raised him, I think, was just very poignant for me. And so we can only – we're not going to directly see who Martha and Thomas are or were, but I, I think through their actions and, and how we learn people were – moving with them and kind of turning those pieces I, I think we learn a, more about them and, and I just like to know more about the origin than just you know this person I like to know uh, from where he came see I I, I, I think that's, that's a valid opinion to have my personal preference disagrees with that but I think that that's there's nothing wrong with like having that opinion I do like to me it's, it's sort of like I don't really care to know much about you mentioned Papa Pocket. I don't care to know much about Jor-El or Lara, just the fact that they were scientists who sent their kid off to Earth. And I don't need to know the details of Thomas and Martha Wayne, just that they were rich parents whose son was left alive when they were killed. Because there's something about that really pure uh, golden age, one-and-done idea that springs forth this big multitude of a franchise that I do enjoy. But again, like, you know, it's... I, I just said that because I, I think the possibility that it could be one way or another in terms of like the version of the origin still exists. So, and the final um, act where there's that scene with the mayor yelling at both Harvey Dent and Jim Gordon, which <laughs> I love Harvey Dent in that scene. I mean, he's a despicable human being. Oh, I can't like, stand that guy. <laughs> I, I, I love his attitude. He's like, Mayor, I must protest. He's like, Yeah, but not too much. I notice. I'm sorry we caused you disquiet. It's like. But I, I love Gordon that scene because his attitude towards the mayor is like one I would hope I would have in that situation. The, the, him and the mayor, like, there's that first meeting that they have, and I think it's Selena Kyle, yeah, with the orphans, where like you know he gets under the mayor's skin, and the mayor's like, really, you know, like, thank you for thank you for the honest opinion. I'll take that under advisement. But like the mayor's seething, and like now, like you know, after Penguin's Umbrella, when he legitimately, like, rides in, like, a cowboy to arrest the mayor and brings him to Falcone Manor, like, the, the mayor hates him now, and, like, <laughs> that, that seems Gordon knows that he's a loser. A loser? What am I, 10? The Gordon, Gordon <laughs> is, like, uh, that he's, you know, a crappy mayor, essentially. He's basically Mayor Quimby without the Kennedy accent. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the women. He's uh, Paul Lasseter from uh, Spin City. Apparently he was a corrupt mayor in like another show too. Like this guy's apparently in like many origins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gotham City origins. Can we talk about? I mean, have we talked enough about the assassins themselves? Like, like the woman and uh, really just the woman because because she showed some like some personality, and then obviously she has some like fighting skills. I mean, did that? Do we have any thoughts on that whatsoever? They, they were means to an end. I joked that she was Shiva, but like I, I can never imagine Shiva using guns. So I, I mean, that that was just more of like you know me having fun as a fan, pretending that they were Shiva and David Kane. I immediately just just try to think of every time I, I saw maybe Shiva use a gun. I can't do it. She pulled a gun on Cassandra Kane one time, but you don't want to hear about that. But um, I thought it was. I thought those characters were were made presented to be followed up on because they were so distinctive i mean everyone knows who victor's ass is but those characters i mean i saw in like a press release that it was, her, her name was copperhead and she doesn't call back to any version of copperhead from the comics that i the the, the, the snake supervillain from dc that i was familiar with I mean, she seemed like a new character so maybe was, she'll become viper and bite barbara keen and barbara keen will become a snake was that oh was that my one? gosh no he's referencing the detective comic story 
Barbara Gordon. Snake hiss. On the next episode of Gotham, Barbara, <laughs> you become a snake. You must stay away from me, Jim. Wait a second. Why is Montoya a snake too? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm <it's>, done. <laughs> That's all I got. Anyway, um, I mean, I, I didn't think that there was anything about those other than that they were, you know, means to an end for the episode. I mean, did, did you get anything like that, Stella? I feel like they'll return. I, I think that it'd be silly to just have these random people pop in and then pop out, and that's all they're good for. I uh, At first, I thought there was... I got a, a feeling of Typhoid Mary <laughs> um, in the very beginning, though that's that's Marvel, is it not? Uh, with Electra, because when she shows up at the door, they like say, "Yeah, my car broke down." Well, and also just with the groundskeeper, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what's about to happen right now?" But that was uh, what's his name, um, um, Harold. <laughs> so he wasn't mute. Oh yeah, Harold Allnut. Um, but then when she asked to, you know, open him up, I thought, oh no, what's going, is she going to pull out a liver? But then it was just to like use his blood, which I thought, do you really have to open him up? Could you have just done something else? But, but I think there's, uh, I think there's something there and obviously it connects back to, to the money, follow the money. That's, that's what you got to do. But, but I think we're going to see them again. And there's something interesting about like the fact that she didn't kill Bruce. I mean, you can tell she's a professional assassin. Like she doesn't take contracts that are not on the list. Mm-hmm. But I thought, kids I thought don't was, really matter. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was like that was a particular detail because any other crime hitman would have. I, th- I would imagine would have done that. And I was expect- I was surprised that she didn't do that. I was like, okay, this is something that we can kind of come back to later. I think she just didn't do it because uh, I think she was getting ready to do it or was about to, but then Alfred came. She's like, kid, you're so stupid. I, I I pay attention to that she didn't see Alfred when he came by she 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 bounced before Sean Pertwee walked up the stairs. I don't know who Sean Pertwee is. I just know this guy named Alfred Pennyworth. He's the he's, like, the, guy, he's, he's the son of John Pertwee the third doctor. Anyway, that's what I'm t- we're we're getting drunk in these television references. We should stop. <laughs> Sober ourselves up. So now, um, Jim Gordon, Arkham Asylum. That was spoiled in the, in the, the episode description. I was like. Really? That's in the yeah, episode? like months ago. In fact, like at one point in this episode, <laughs> I was like, unless this happens at the end of the episode, the writers must have like changed their minds and like rewritten this episode from scratch. Because this, this, it, the way it kind of ends, it kind of plays like a season finale, which I guess what mid-season finale is uh, I mean, no, it's not. I don't know if I call this, but yeah, it's... Wait, he is like saying goodbye to everyone forever, like you know, goodbye police station, goodbye Bullock, and but not Essen because they couldn't get the actress for this episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I <didn't> know. <laughs> goodbye Enigma. I thought that Enigma was going to replace him as Bullock's partner. I thought that was awesome. Oh, then I'd be like, okay, I need to see the second half of this season now. I have no thoughts on that because it was spoiled, obviously. Um, before we, I mean, I give it like two or th- two to three episodes, and that's tops. If it's not in the first episode back, before he's back with Bullock, you know, like solving mysteries again. I'll max out like the rest of the season. By the end, by the season finale, he'll be back working with the uh, working with Bullock. Oh, I don't even think it'll take that long. How many episodes are they going to have him working in Arkham? Well, he's got to get to know. Um... The doctor, the good doctor, Leslie Tompkins. Yeah, doctor. Uh... Which I wondered if there's a potential for a shipper there. Oh, that would be because t- she, because Marina Bakarin, that's her name, right? Yeah. Like she's she's not she would be she's like his contemporary. She's kind of she's kind of around his age. Mm-hmm. But he's got well, a he's got a fiance. What if she's Barbara Gordon? Yeah. Well, uh, what is she doing right now, Josh? 
Renee Montoya. Or rather, who is she doing? Or who? <laughs> Ooh, stop. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we didn't see those two again. Maybe um, it would be interesting if they introduced Jim Gordon's brother, Roger, and his wife, Thelma, who in the comics, um, Gordon had a relationship with as well. What if they pull that off? And like, like, like he's he's Barbara Gordon's uncle. They're going to bring back that relationship, which confused. I don't know. Th- that's getting into a whole other argument that like is going to deviate from the show. Does anyone have like? Do you think we've hit up all the points of the episode? Do you guys have any? Well, Stella, you said that you wanted to ask the question tonight. You know, like, the, what's the difference between a good person and a nice person? Oh, the nice good. The nice good. Uh, I do. I do actually want to talk about that. Uh, whether you agree with what he was saying and what, and just like the difference. I mean, Josh, you you said it. I don't know if you want to like restate what you think is the difference between nice and good. <laughs> and that was but, before I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, about what it is. <laughs> before but, I knew there was this episode, I yeah, thought you were talking about. Uh, or something. I mean, I, like, I think you could talk about it out outside of the circle of Gotham, and then I I wonder if our definitions change once we are inside this world, and and whether we huh. agree with uh, whether we agree with Bruce that Selena is a good person, but she's not a nice person. Because I feel like to a certain extent, things go hand in hand. If you're a good person, that niceness should like bleed off of that. You should be wholly this- good inside and out. So. This might be uh, uh, referencing something that we didn't talk about on a podcast, but didn't the both of you say that like you don't believe in good and evil necessarily? I don't believe in that there exists a good person. I don't believe in one hundred percent. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, someone like you know Saddam Hussein or Hitler or Bin Laden. Like, yeah, like there's not a lot of gray areas there. But I would say ninety five percent of the time. Nobody, like, sets out to be evil. Like, even people who do bad things, like, they're, you know... You know like, and Watchmen. Their own points of... Well, that that's another... I, I would consider him an extreme, because no. he committed genocide. Like, unless well, you're no, committing... Like, I think that, that connects, because he... Uh, and everybody who's listening to Watchmen, he committed genocide over what he thought was completely moral reasons. And, like, you know, in his mind, he's not a villain, but in other minds, he is. That's like a two-hour debates right people let me let me go back and read the text from stella we're gonna be here for a while aren't we <laughs> it, 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 this, this is very philosophical could be okay let's see scrolling up tomorrow we should discuss the difference between a nice person and a good person and i text back what and i said nice is a behavior which can be faked good is a status quo and then she says, hmm, that, that was the gist of the conversation the other day. And I think that it depends upon what your definition of nice and good is because those are definitions that can be bent a little bit. But like a good person will – I would not put definitions on because it's very subjective. Th- that's the problem. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's subjective. But a good person will improve situations to other people around them. A nice person will like can say please and thank you, but can still like you know, you know kick a kick a baby seal or something like that. I mean, I guess nice is more of a behavior and good is more of how you conduct yourself. But you know that falls in line with behavior too. It, it's a really like slippery slope. Like I understand it in my brain, but articulating it is much harder the, to do. Do you think it changes thing? depending on where you are or like what situation you're in? It might. I, 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 like, like, I, I think. 
I think everything does in every situation because every situation has its own gray area. And what do you think about Selena? Would you agree with what Bruce said about her? She's good but not nice. This goes with what I said at the beginning of the episode um, in that I, I I don't even know if I would – I hesitate to call her a bad person, but – She's a little girl. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I would call her a good person either. She's somewhere in between because I think that a good person would stay and see this through, you know, like she promised to do. You know, she was going to help this guy find his parents' killer, and now she's taking off. Just like she promised, you know, Jim Gordon in the second and third episode she was going to help, and she took off then. Um, I think in, so in that situation, I, I don't consider though, that a good person. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's like completely immoral and so for selfish reasons, considering how she came up and who she regularly deals with on the streets. Though I think that kind of informs her behavior, and you can you can separate that background from her behavior and her actions. But I think that like that doesn't like um, close them off. You know, that's why that's why it is subjective. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one. And I, I mean, like we the, don't yeah, really like talk, we don't really walk wax philosophically on this show. But I, oh. I thought it would be interesting. All right, and that pretty much sums up Lovecraft. What do we want from uh, the next half of the first season of Gotham? And what do we think about some of these rumors, like that we might see the Graysons, you know, get together or something like that? <sighs> the Graysons get together. Yeah, there's an interview with uh, the. I think it's a producer or something. He says you might see uh, Dick Grayson's parents like get together on this show. You mean Triple X get together? Well, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see um, Fifty Shades of Grayson, but <laughs> leave that to the comic series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no. But yeah, we might see the origin of uh, Nightwing. <laughs> That's not the origin. <laughs> what do you mean, not the origin? The it's going back to of no. I think the implication is that you might see John and Mary Grayson, like you know, decide get get together romantically. They, they didn't advertise it. Wait till you see the flying Graysons do it. They're not saying that <laughs> without a safety net. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I'd make a joke about Boss Zuko like sabotaging their birth control for a protection racket. Oh, you do that. <laughs> Concerning the birth of the man who takes them down. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think Take that Zuko. What I would, what I like to see is that like the characters in the second half are different places from where they are in the first half. Like, I want to see Bullock more and more, basically, like like um on Gordon's side trying to do, to do good then like you know take the easy way out I would like to see Harvey Dent try to try to you know make up for his screw up I would like to see uh, Gordon acclimate to uh, Arkham for the five minutes he'll be there I would like to see Bruce not be as sort of like childish as he was so you know I would like to see development in a much more um, accelerated top speed than um, the first ten episodes have given us so they kind of set up everything up by this point I don't know. I, I, I don't like all these things being thrown in there. I, I think little bit is, uh, is good, and I, I, I'm just afraid they're like racing Arrow or, or Flash to, to how many references they can make, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't like it as much. I just want to focus on the here and now rather than adding these random people. Maybe with me saying that, it means that like I don't like what the pl- current plots are. <laughs> I want them to be more Batman-like, which I guess is a problem with the show. 
I would like to see less of the mob stuff unless they're going to actually advance it forward because just because these actors are there doesn't mean that they have to show up in every episode saying Falcone is a weak old man and like, you know, and Maroni saying, yeah, we're going to take over. Um, like it, 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 the episodes where we've skipped that is nice because unless they're actually going to do something like in Penguin's Umbrella, it's it just wastes time having them be there. And in episodes like Spirit of the Goat, you know, when they took a break from Fish spouting her stuff over and over again, we were able to get more character development for Edward Nigma and Harvey Bullock. So I want more character development. Um, I want to get to know like people like Renee Montoya and Crispus Allen because. So far, like, they only show up as complications and spoilers. I want more of more characters who haven't interacted with each other interacting with each other, like Alfred and Fish this episode. You know, maybe we can mm-hmm. mix, it, mix it up a little bit, you know, shake things up that, like, there's certain characters who are just always, like, stuck in, like, the same four walls, you know? Like, who knows? Maybe Sarah Essen and Liza, Bruce Wayne and Barbara Keane. What? Well, I don't mean getting together romantically. Oh. I mean, like, I, I mean, like characters like interacting. <laughs> that would be weird. That'd be very uh, weird. Yeah. How uh, did this uh, happen? Yeah. Penguin's mom and Edward Nigma. That's I, enough. Mom, <laughs> I don't. These aren't chips. So, like, you know, <laughs> I, I'd like that. So, we will see you back in 2015 for the next half of Gotham. This is Josh. This is Donovan. And this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. So was there going to be somebody else here? Yeah, Apple. Oh, I thought you said that like uh, it was you replacing with somebody else. No, no, no. I, I, I was joking with Stella that it was gonna because like I it's said to Stella, we have a mystery yes, and she's like my mom, and then I went with that for like you know about like four straight days. I was like, yes, Stella. Because she watches the show. She was displeased yeah. with Barbara Keane's actions. Yeah. What is your um? What is your mom's name, if I may ask? <laughs> <laughs> Such a creepy creep. She's Stella uh, Keen because yeah, they have exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's coincidence. Why is that coincidence? Yeah, why is that coincidence? Explain my, my mom's name. T- oh. Ooh. What do you think that means? I don't know. You tell me. As I arch my, my eyebrows. Well, and uh, Joseph. Um, Joseph's stepmom is too, so. What does that It means that someone named is going to try and kill us. And we're going to have to, like, try and, like, you know, escape from her. And Stella's not going to tell us that she has a dime to call home. That was, like, the woman's name. I I, I saw that, like, her. I think, like, it's not. It's not not as Shiva. Screw you. She's got. What? It's not you know Shiva. what? The, the, this is this is all material that we could be We're doing. We're gonna for have the show. words with, if you yes. keep calling her Shiva. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> really? Okay. You know what? Let's let's, 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 let's get yeah. this started. Well, let's save it for the show. And I know Josh. I don't.
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that, 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 that's getting edited out. Um, okay. Just, just, so, we're not yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about me. Uh, no, here. that's fine, that's fine. No, so. I'm Pete and Pete. <laughs> Say oh, what, Phil? I'm Pete and Pete. <laughs> There'd be a rock that would not like that. That was Pete written out on of Pete and Pete. Pete Ross. On Pete Smallville. Ross. Smallville. I'm just <laughs> if, Pete, if, if he became the third Pete on Pete, and it became Pete, Pete, Pete <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> that that one writer who like did not want black people on Pete and Pete would have been like really <laughs> he's upset. He's the third brother, and he had like a tattoo and everything. <laughs> yes, I mean, just just real quickly, I'll edit this out. Stella, there was like some writer uh, a few months ago who like. He's doing a book about old Nickelodeon shows, and he was interviewed about it, and he went on this weird tangent about how, like, Pete and Pete was such a great show because it was all white people all the time. I don't know why there's... Uh, That's quite the tangent you were getting. Uh, sorry, it, it, it was a work thing. Um, but yeah, this like he's like, Pete and Pete's a great show because it was all white people all the time. I don't know why they're putting black people on all these shows now because they're, they're being written by white people and might as well be blackface, you know, and this guy was like chased off of like the internet and like he was supposed to do a panel at New York Comic Con and uh, it was canceled because like people were going to protest it. For some reason, Fish thought that it was Lovecraft that hired him, and she even said, The Lovecraft Witness. You already said that. Yeah, why are you repeating yourself? Because it's, it's fun to talk like it. Fish Mooney. That was like, <laughs> like someone put a rewind. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. We have to do, like, you know, talk like Fish Mooney Day. Like, you know, I don't think we'll we do. do the whole podcast like this. Fish Mooney To be Monday. honest, I don't hear Fish Mooney when you talk like that. I hear Poison Ivy from Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> same, di- same thing, man. <laughs> Don't call me man, Bart Simpson. <laughs> well, what are you going to do with us, man? <laughs> Stella, the time to strike is now. Dustin is a weak old man. Somebody's going to take over. It might as well be me. I don't think Arthur could actually ever sound like that. <laughs> it's not like her characters, like from like uh, Emperor's New Groove and stuff. I have a quick question. I'm. I feel like it was on this show, but I maybe maybe it was on something that I watched recently. But did somebody get into a car and then there was an Eartha Kit thing saying like, "Buckle up," like a PSA over the radio? Because I just watched something where what? someone got into a car. And then there was an Eartha Kit. Uh, Eartha Kit was over the radio saying, Frrr, you know. Eartha and it was about. <laughs> oh, I know, but it was like a PSA recorded over the radio. Um, I don't, I don't, I do not believe. I'm trying to remember. Uh, this is familiar to me too. At the very beginning of the episode. And it I was I, the only reason I know it's Eartha Kit because it was on my closed captioning because I watched the episode. So it's like it was basically a PSA of you know buckling up and stuff. Uh, don't. I don't remember. No, I don't. I, don't, I do not recall. So I, I believe it was at the beginning of the episode. If <laughs> so, a little tag there. Um, yeah. 
I just realized what the Eartha Kitt thing came from. It was in Hamlet. It was in the Ethan Hawke Hamlet that I watched. He got into the car and it was that on the was radio. That was you. I'm sorry. I had to... I just re- recalled it. No, I, no I, was, I was on my Netflix and it says recently watched. <laughs> oh, jo- I was like, Joseph's watching Shakespeare. Was that good? I actually didn't care for it as much as I do other um, modern takes on it, so I, I need to watch you uh, have you, you know. should see Hamlet too. Hamlet too. What is that about? Oh no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Why not? Because it looks terrible. He goes back in time and he saves Ophelia and he proposes. What the heck are you talking about? There's a ridiculous comedy called Hamlet too. It has yeah. It, 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 it has a really good version of Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Any show that you're on, we wax philosophically because you like start off with like, what would you do if you had to stab one of us in the eye? <laughs> I, I, look, I look forward to when we do the BTO like anniversary show and you're going to like have Donovan and I and say, you know, if I walked into a house and said, quick, you guys have to like, you know, choke on this peanut butter or the world will blow up. Would you guys do it instinctively? Trust me. <laughs> Is shoving it in your mouth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she's going to ask us something weird like that. Weird? I thought it was a theory. It is a theory, and I love it. I, and you said that you love how uh, I, I just, like, answer. I, I love like, the, t- I love the, uh, the BTO thing where, like, Dustin, like, split down the middle while a dog wouldn't eat both of us at the same time. So. <laughs> I know. He, he's Dustin, so, of course, he, like, he broke the code. He's practical. He's like, <laughs> like I'm Batman forever. <laughs> battering in the light. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Dustin's like, we're starting to, like, go a little bit all over the place. Do you think we've hit yeah, up the well, episode? Our listeners don't like us in the show. <laughs> well, I, I, I edited it out, you know, like, and most of this is going in the bloopers. I'm dun, sure. dun, dun, it, dun. It'll be a good bloopers. So our next episode is going to be called uh, Hamlet, when the king of the Den, uh, the CEO of the Denmark Corporation has been murdered and everything is left to his brother. Uh, Gordon and Bullock have to investigate it. Bullock is convinced that um, it's the disgruntled son Hamlet, but Gordon has his own theories about the current CEO. And Edward Nigma finds poison, you know, in the ear of the corpse. I, I don't know. I, I do know. like that. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's been so long since like I've read or seen Hamlet. <laughs> Guest starring uh, the plays. The, <laughs> the plays the thing in which to catch the king. Consciousness of the king. Okay, it's been a while. What do you mean? Oh, okay, it's a famous quote. You Philistine. We'll see you next time. Oh, and happy Thanksgiving. Don't date this. It's coming out on Friday. Josh. It's coming out the Friday after Thanksgiving. What's the problem? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care who did or not. I don't it's not like Clone Saga Chronicles where like, we're like, oh boy. <laughs> I sure am wondering if Mitt Romney is going to become president of <laughs> Barack Obama. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think like, 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 like 